All right. Good morning. Good morning, Foundry. Good morning. It is so great to be here with you all. Um, I am just so honored uh, to be able to have this opportunity to represent our gratitude from, from Hope Baltimore. And, you know, I felt so much love here from the team, from uh, Pastor Scott. Um, thank you so much for opening up your, your church to me. And no, it's not easy to entrust your pulpit to someone else. And so I do not take that lightly and truly appreciate the opportunity uh, to share what it is uh, that God put on my heart for this powerful series. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge um, how challenging it was for me to bring this message to you all. Um, I had a message in mind. Um, I, I communicated to Pastor Scott a few weeks ago, um, and it was kind of, you know, all, all about to be ready to go. And then this past kind of week and a half or so, I had a really serious health scare, and um, it really shook me to my core. And I felt in the midst of that, um, in the midst of the waiting for test results and um, kind of manage the fear and praying to God that everything would be fine. And by God's grace, it was. But in the midst of that, God really um, shifted kind of my thought process <laughs> about what I'm going to share today. And so, uh, you know, he put something in my heart that I, I pray would be an encouragement to you, um, to you all. Um, and, you know, just kind of what Pastor was saying and also the worship team, you know, talking about faith right now, um, in this time is just so timely, right? We're living in a time where there's so much going on at one time. There's so many contentious things happening. There's so many things that can really shape our, you know, shake our faith, right? We're having, you know, a war that just broke out in Europe and is threatening kind of the entire landscape there. We're having war in many other areas um, in, this, in this world. We're having you know, it seems like every other week we're hearing about some incidents of gun violence, right? We're, you know, having inflation that's the highest it's been in decades. We're having crazy gas prices. Um, you know, we're having unprecedented heat waves. You're hearing of hundreds of people dying in Europe um, because they just don't have the infrastructure like we do to be able to take, you know, handle all that type of heat. And then now we're hearing about a monkeypox outbreak that's now, a, you know, a health concern, when we're right on the heels of kind of uh, COVID becoming less of a lethal um, issue for us. And then, you know, that doesn't even scratch the surface of what's happening from a global perspective. And then, you know, thinking about all that we have individually in our hearts, right? I mean, I just mentioned this health crisis that I had, and it was like this entire, you know, week and a half, it was just thinking about it and trying to manage it, right? And there's so many things that each of us are individually dealing with. And so sometimes, you know, in the midst of all this, it can be so overwhelming. And we can wonder, where is God in all of this? Sometimes we might even start to question what we believe in the, in the first place. We might wonder, you know, where does our faith even stand in the midst of this? And it's a pretty apt time to have a crisis of faith, right? We're supposed to have faith the size of a mustard seed, but... What do we do with that mustard seed of faith when it seems like there's just so much that we have to fight it with? And what I loved about kind of this, the structure of this sermon series is it's not just about having blind faith. I think some of us have always heard how we have to muster up our faith and just have enough so that you can get whatever it is, whatever breakthrough that you're hoping for. 
but rather this series examines the heart of God and all of it. And I love how the word of God is so personal and it's so intimate and it includes details that speak to our individual situations. I remember how the word highlights how the Lord knows how we're framed and he remembers that we're but dust. And it's so comforting, right? And you think about even, I think it was the past couple weeks or months, we saw these new images from NASA and they showed kind of the universe and images we've never seen before. You saw hundreds of galaxies and all these, you know, images that we've just never even understood because how the universe was created and all that. And it's so humbling to know that even in the midst of all that, God cares about our individual lives and meets us where we are, even though we are but dust. And it's, it's just incredibly humbling, you know, and, but even in that, in our, you know, little worlds, um, it's so easy for us to lose faith, right? In, in so many things. Sometimes we can have a hard time believing in God when some circumstances might have changed um, to where we, we didn't expect. Sometimes we might have a faith in ourselves. Maybe we've let ourselves down. Maybe we've done something we never thought we would ever do. And now we're wondering what the next steps are when we think about our, our lives and think maybe we are not worthy of whatever it is that we thought was we were worthy of before. Maybe a friend has betrayed us and now we're losing faith in people. But today, you know, God put on my heart uh, a message to examine how he responds to us when we're in a crisis of our faith and what we, you know, his ability to work in our own individual situations and give us guidance on how we can successfully navigate those times. And so the teaching text today is Mark 9, uh, 14 through 27. It's a bit long, so just hang on with me for a moment. So I'll, I'll read, starting in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it sees him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive him out of the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. If you can, Jesus asked, Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, 
he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Let us pray before I get into the, into the rest of the sermon. God, we are grateful for you. We are grateful for how you care for us in ways that we could never imagine, in ways that we couldn't even hope for. God, thank you that you are so present right now, God. And I just ask, Lord, I just want to be poured out for you. I am so grateful for the opportunity to come and share your word with your people, God. And I ask that you would make all of our hearts fertile ground for your word to be sown, that we might be encouraged in our faith, that we might strengthen our faith in you, God, and live the life, live the life that you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so there are so many things that we can examine in this text. First, we can see that the disciples themselves had a crisis of faith, right? The text opens up with pandemonium and chaos and arguments, and there's so much going on. And the reason is, is because a man brought his son to get healed by Jesus' disciples, but they were not able to do it. And I'm sure that this bewildered the father and frustrated him, and I'm sure it also bewildered and frustrated the disciples as well, we can, if you read further on in the passage, you can read that, you know, they asked Jesus why they couldn't drive out the spirit. And as you see here, it looks like Jesus is actually frustrated with the disciples and with their lack of belief, and he actually rebukes them for it. Now, just to set some context, I, I actually don't think that Jesus was angry at them for their lack of faith, as we'll examine later on. We kind of see more about how Jesus responds to us in our crisis of faith. I think that he was probably just frustrated about them not living in their authority that he gave them, all right? They're, you know, in this time, Jesus had been doing lots of miracles, and he was kind of really changing the entire kind of status quo, and there were a lot of people who were trying to catch Jesus in a mistake or in a sin and trying to discredit him. And so he was probably frustrated about just them not being, you know, living in the power and authority that he gave them. But regardless, their inability to deliver the boy from the spirit due to their lack of faith really begs the question, what do we do when we're experiencing our own crisis of faith? Sometimes we want to believe, right? And for whatever reason, we just can't make that happen. We just can't will ourselves to believe. And what I love here about Jesus' response is that he comes toward the disciples. He comes toward the commotion. He comes toward the pandemonium. And he asks what's going on, as if he doesn't already know, right? And in studying this man's response, and his interaction with Jesus, we can learn a few things that we can apply to in our own crisis of faith. And, and I want this to be really personal. A lot of times when we read biblical stories, it can almost seem like a fairy tale sometimes. 
And, you know, we might know how something already goes, and so we're not really able to grasp what it felt like in the moment when there really was uh, desperation. And so I just want us to, to really step into the text. You know, the text highlights how the child was like this since birth. So think about this man dealing with this ever since his baby was born. And so I want us to think about in our own minds some things that we've dealt with since birth or some crisis in our lives, something that maybe we've wanted to change. Maybe it's, you know, patterns of dysfunction in our family that maybe our grandparents have been, our parents, and now we find ourselves in that same pattern and we're trying to figure out how we can get out of that. Right? Maybe it's a health condition. Maybe it's a mindset that we're stuck in. And maybe it's, it could be sinful things. It can be, you know, there's addiction and all those types of things. But also maybe there's an addiction to fear or a mindset that just holds us back from experiencing all that God has for us in our life. And maybe it's something we desperately want to change. But no matter what we do, it just seems like we just can't overcome that thing. And so I want us to keep that in mind as we navigate the text. And so the first point that I realized um, about how to respond in a faith crisis in this passage is something that's a little bit buried, and that's to remember other people's testimonies. And it's not explicitly stated in the verses, but you can just think about it. It's implied, right? This man brought his son to Jesus and his disciples for a reason, right? Jesus had been out here really changing the world. He's been doing miracles that no one had ever seen. And to this point, I kind of, you know, highlighted all the major miracles that we can see in the word up until this point. Jesus healed a man with an unclean spirit. He healed many sick people. He healed a deaf man. He cleansed a leper. He healed a paralytic. He healed someone with a withered hand. He calmed the storm. He walked on water. He healed a man with a demon. He delivered a woman with an issue of blood. He raised a girl from the dead. He fed 5,000 people with, two lo with five loaves and two fish. He fed 4,000 people also with meager resources. He healed a blind man. And so there was a track record of what Jesus had done. There was a reason that this man brought his son to Jesus. And he was probably thinking to himself, maybe he can just do it for me too, right? His son had exhibited some of the issues that he had already healed before. So it makes a lot of sense that he would come and bring Jesus and bring his son to Jesus. There's something about hearing testimonies that encourages us, that, that stirs our faith when we hear about God working in someone else's life. Revelations 12, 11 says, they triumphed over him, him being Satan, and by the, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And I remember one of those times where that happened in my own life. So um, I, for a period of time, and I still sometimes look at it, there's a series um, on YouTube and on Instagram, and it's called I Am Second. And it's an entire series of videos of people, some famous, some people you maybe never heard of before. And it's all testimonies about how God, you know, either their salvation story or what miracles God has done in their life. And you can really get so sucked into these videos because it's so encouraging and it's crazy what God has been doing in other people's lives. And one that particularly stood in my mind was one, there was a guy, they call him Whispering Danny. He had some kind of vocal condition where he couldn't speak super loudly. 
And in a nutshell, his story was that one of his friends got in a really bad accident, um, a motorcycle accident, and he had, you know, massive brain injuries, like trauma, and he was his, his you know, he'd been, I think, in a coma for a couple weeks, and they were about to um, pull the plug on him. And he remembers, he wasn't the believer at the time, but he remembers when they were praying, like there was a man who came and prayed for him and said, um, you know, just spoke with so much authority and said, God, we need you to move in this situation and we need you to do it by tomorrow. And his friend woke up and his friend was fine. He didn't have any issues that one would associate with a traumatic brain injury, even though his brain had probably been swelling. He even actually has his own testimony on I Am Second and it's crazy to watch. And I remember that. And so one day I was in, I was in California. I'm from California, as I mentioned on the video. And um, I was my time was all messed up. I had fallen asleep super early because of jet lag, and I was in the middle of the night just scrolling on Instagram, as we sometimes do. And um, for some reason, they reposted the story. They had done the story three years before, but they reposted the story, and so I remembered kind of his story, and I was super encouraged by it. And then I want to say the next day, um, my prayer partner, one of my prayer partners, uh, called me and told me that she had been on vacation, and the Lord had put on her heart to pray for one of her colleagues. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm on vacation, I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about my colleagues. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm like, where, how can I get as far away from that as possible? How can I be present with where I am? Um, so she, you know, she's, she listened to the Spirit. She paid attention, and so she prayed for this woman. And um, then when she comes back, she gets this email um, about her colleague, and, and this is it. I'm going to show it to you because I don't want you to think I, I'm lying or making this up. But basically, um, what's happening is her, her colleague that she was felt prompted to pray about named Sherry suffered a massive brain hemorrhage. And her prognosis was not good. Um, she essentially was, you know, expected to either die or if she lived at all, she was going to be in a vegetative state. And it was just heartbreaking. It was crazy. I mean, these things happen out of nowhere, right? And so I remembered the story of Whispering Danny, and I was like, man, we, we got to pray. We're going to have to pray, and we have to change the way that we pray. And it's not like, oh, Jesus, please help us. I mean, yes, there's room for that, but also just praying with authority. I remembered, you know, in that story, it really aligned with Scripture. The Lord tells us to approach the throne with boldness, right, and not to doubt what we're asking for him. And so we just consistently prayed, and she ended up waking for a coma from her coma a couple weeks later, but there was a lot of really long road that she had to go through, and we prayed consistently every week for over a year, um, and she ended up being fine. She ended up being fine. This woman who was expected, you can clap for that, that's awesome. Uh, this woman who was expected to die or be in a vegetative state, there was no redeeming uh, prognosis for her. She was actually going to go back to work, but she ended up doing something different because it was something a little bit less stressful. I'm sure that's a life-changing event, so you might want to do something a little bit different with your time. But it was incredibly encouraging, and it wasn't instantaneous, but it was something that we saw a miracle over time. So it was, you know, that's something that I want us to remember um, that this text offers up to us, right? Jumping back in the text, we see this man relying on what he knows to be true, about how God impacted other people's lives through Jesus and his disciples. And he's having a conversation with Jesus about his son's healing. And he says, you know, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? 
from childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus asked, and Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help my, me overcome my unbelief. There is so much richness in this short passage. And my second and third points are really embedded within that short passage. So as we, we rely on other people's testimonies to encourage our own faith, we also need to be real with where we are. In the verse, uh, this father admitted his unbelief, right? He didn't fake the funk. <laughs> First he said, Lord, if you can, which kind of hints to his unbelief. And then he just explicitly mentions that he has unbelief. And I love that this is included in scripture. This has been my prayer countless times when I just don't have it. I have to tell God where I am and I have to be honest. And, you know, I think this captures where a lot of us are. When we believe, but we still have some doubt, there's like a lot of kind of turmoil within us and we're trying so hard. Maybe it's because of our circumstances. And, you know, this man was probably exhausted of trying so many things just for the same result. Getting your hopes up just to be let down. And that's really difficult. It's a roller coaster of emotions, right? But what I love in the story is that it shows that you know, what he does in spite of that debilitating exhaustion, frustration, and disappointment. Jesus wants him to admit where he was, and he wants us to admit where we are as well. You know, in the Psalms, probably one of my favorite books, if not my favorite book in the Bible, we see David just radically honest with God where he is. He expresses his fear, his doubts. In the midst of crazy triumphs that he experiences, he's also incredibly honest with his fears and his doubts. Sometimes he's calling on anger and, and fire on his enemies. And I wonder sometimes, are we supposed to be praying like that? But he's just honest, right, with where he is. And he's called a man after God's own heart. And it's such a blessing to me and, and a model for how I want to interact with God. I mean, think about your most intimate relationships, whether it's your spouse, your significant other, your kids, your best friends, your parents. You know, how can you imagine having a relationship with them and a deep, intimate relationship without honesty? It just doesn't exist, right? And what I love about this man, even in the midst of where he was, this crisis of faith, is that he kept trying. You know, even in the midst of his doubt, he kept trying. And that try was his mustard seed of faith. And I think that's something that we all have as well, this thing that's in our mind that maybe we are trying to get rid of, we're trying to change, and you know, we might think that we don't have the faith and we, we, it's hard for us to muster up a prayer, but every now and then, every, you know, maybe year or so, we might just offer up a little prayer to see if something might happen, right? But even that is an evidence of our faith for that thing, right? For God to change that. And so even in the midst of that doubt, the man also exemplified the last point that I want to make today. And so as he relied on other people's testimonies, as he was honest with where he was, he also requested what he needed. He says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. He asked for the faith that he needed. 
And I love Jesus' response to him. He was so compassionate. He wasn't angry at him for not having faith. He wasn't, you know, condemning him. He just said, hey, if I can, anything is po- everything is possible for the one who believes. You know, he doesn't express anger because the man expressed some doubt. Jesus saw his doubt, but he also saw his per- continued persistence in the midst of it, and he showed compassion. And after the man asks for faith, Jesus immediately goes into action, and the word says, you know, talks about how Jesus, you know, rebuked the impure spirit and healed the boy, right? And so when we are facing a faith crisis, we can just ask for the faith, right? Hebrews 12.2 calls Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Another translation says that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And I just love that so much. I've relied on it so much. I've declared to God when I've been in my, you know, times of lack of faith, I said, God, you are the author and perfecter of my faith. It's not on me. (laughs) It's on you. It starts with you and you mature this. We can rest assured that if we ask God for faith, he's going to give it to us because he wants us to have it. And I remember again, going through a really tough time, having a crisis of faith, with a different prayer partner, and we were praying for things. We pray for things that are, um, you know, small, things are more, you know, micro scale things in our own lives. We'd pray for even larger scale things like global issues like we were talking about before. And I was just having a really hard time because I've been praying for something. I'm still praying for it uh, for years. And I'm just like, God, when is this ever going to end? Like, when are you going to answer this prayer? And I just remember asking God for faith. I told him, look, I don't have this, man. I need you to give me the faith if you want me to continue down this road. And I remember, I think it was maybe that next day, some crazy things happened. Like we, um, we had been praying for one of our friend's um, mothers who had been dealing with addiction um, and she had HIV. And so that's really not great because you think about people who are, you know, going through addiction, they're kind of gone sometimes, they're really in a tough place. And it can be really difficult to get consistent help to where you can actually get to that point. But we got a text message that day saying, hey, my mom is undetectable with HIV, right? And it was just such an encouragement to us. And then, you know, I think it was also that same day we had been praying for the situation that seemed crazy in in Africa. There was an Ebola outbreak and, you know, Ebola is a really deadly virus, um, even way deadlier than COVID. It probably has maybe a 67, 70% um, death rate. And it's something that doesn't really transmit that easily because it's so deadly. People kind of get really sick immediately. So with COVID, you can kind of have it, not know it and pass it on. With Ebola, you can't really do that. And, you know, unlike with COVID where the entire world, all the scientists are kind of getting together and trying to figure out a, a, a you know, vaccine or some type of therapy, it's not the same with these diseases that kind of affect a small portion of people who are quite impoverished, frankly, because there's not really a whole lot of money in it. So we're praying for this thing, not really knowing if anything's going to happen. I saw this crazy article about, um, in the newspaper, about how uh, there was a treatment that was found for it, which is 90% effective, right? That was crazy. I was like, God, you're hearing even these prayers. Like, it just stirred up my face so much. And I just, you know, that's, I feel, something that God has readily available to us if we just ask him, And so I believe that God wants to meet us in our areas of doubt today. And I want us to take a moment to go back to those areas that, you know, we were thinking about earlier on in the sermon where we need to have more 
faith in, those areas that maybe we've been disappointed in where, you know, it seems impossible, insurmountable. And maybe we've kind of stopped praying about it, but I think that God wants us to let him into those areas. He's so compassionate. He's so kind. He's so understanding. He remembers that we're but dust. He wants us, lets us ask God to show us testimonies of people who face things in a similar way, right? And yes, it might not turn out exactly how it did for them, but we can know, we can see God in our situations. And when that happens, only miracles can take place. God is not a respecter of person. Let us be honest with where we are with God, right? And let us ask him for the faith that we need and let's ask him for a miracle. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your heart towards us. God, we thank you that you are our ever-present help in time of need. God, we thank you that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you, God, that you stand ready to answer our prayers just as soon as we ask, and sometimes even before. God, I thank you for bringing each and every person here, whether they're in person, online, they're going to listen to it later, God, because you have an area that you're working out in them, that you're reminding them that you haven't forgotten about. God, you are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are all loving, God. There's nothing that you can't do. God, I ask that you would stir your children's faith today, God, and that we would see the miracles that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.